is the Grow Your Clinic podcast from Clinic Mastery. We help progressive health professionals to lead inspired teams, transform client experiences, and build clinics for good. Now, it's time to grow your clinic. Welcome to the Grow Your Clinic podcast. My name is Ben Lynch. In this episode, we speak with Marion Giddy. Marion's a speech pathologist and clinic owner of Kui speech pathology and occupational therapy in Brisbane, Australia. Through this episode, we discuss leadership. How does Marion define leadership and how she created a leadership team within her clinic to support the growth and impact that they're making in their local community? We touch on coaching and mentoring and the skill sets that she's developed as a leader to help develop the team that she works with. We discuss starting a family, running a business, and working alongside your spouse, the challenges and opportunities that that presents. Hope you'll find something in this podcast that gives you a little bit of inspiration or reinforces the path that you're on. We start this conversation with what does life look like today for Marion and the QE speech pathology team? Enjoy. There's a couple of key areas, right, that resonate with the audience and that we're really intentionally making a theme for the podcast. Team. Yeah. And associated to that is culture, leadership, your definition of leadership, how you go about being a leader. What does leadership mean Mm -hmm. in your clinic? Family business and the dynamics of having Aster and managing a business and James working with it. And that's really connected and resonated with a lot Mm. of people because it's like a lot of folks are family. It's very real. And then pretty much they'll come out of those two things, some threads that are like really interesting, you know, might be recruitment or retention or different elements that will just kind of unpack that broadly speaking, they're the two Umbrella topics to discuss. Yeah, love it. Sounds good. The team right now. Yeah. Tell us about the the size, the professions you've got, who's on the team, and what does it look like in 2023? 2023. Well, there's been changes in the team, as is always the case. I, I'm, you know, I think we've all found that in private practice. Yeah. Because it changes. You know, it changes based on the industry. It changes based on what people want to do. I think this is a clinic mastery saying, but like increase the amount of time that we can support people while they're with us and then also kind of lovingly welcome them and loving them, let them go as well. So at the moment in the team, we have some new faces, which is exciting. We're a pediatric speech and OT clinic. So they're the two therapist disciplines that we have on the team. We also have our client care team and practice manager and accounts manager. At the moment, to be honest, I lose track details, Ben, (laughs) but I think... (laughs) We're sitting at around 17 Wonderful uh, names and faces on the team, which is really exciting. We have just welcomed a new OT to the team and another one is pending soon, which is really exciting. So yeah, could we want to balance the speech and OT service provision that we have? So we're really working in a multidisciplinary way between those two professions. So yeah, it's really exciting. We've got a leadership team here that's spread across those two disciplines and also includes our support team, practice manager and accounts manager. And then yeah, we've got a number of really vibrant and dynamic therapists ranging from one to two years experience all the way through to over a decade of experience. So it's exciting times. We feel like we've got a good spread. And you've just moved into a new clinic space. Tell us about 
Yeah, we have. Yeah. <laughs> that was quite a process. It was quite a process. You know, I was fortunate enough to see a lot of the behind the scenes yeah. work yeah. that you did in terms of the analysis yeah. and preparation yeah. to do that. Can you share a little bit about how you and James went about dissecting this move is quite a big one. Yeah. Well, I think you've spoken to a couple of our preferences there in the way that you've said that analysis and dissecting and preparation. That was very much the way that we approached the move. We are now really excited to be here. It's been fantastic to make the shift. Essentially, in a nutshell, our lease was coming to an end and we didn't want to stay where we were. We were looking for a new place, a fresh place, a fresh feel, as well as more space and the space to do what we've been wanting to do for ages, run workshops, run parent groups, support our community better and have more space for the therapist to work in a way that feels good for them. So it had been on the plans since January last year to start to look at new premises and give ourselves the time to do it thoroughly. We then, talking about family, we had our son, Asta, in June and we moved clinics in October. So it, wow. 2022 was a big year. But yeah, we did take a very analytical approach to the move because we wanted to make sure it fit for us from an organizational and a budgeting point of view. We run a fairly risk analysis approach to organizational strategy. We want to make sure it's sustainable, that we can live within our means, essentially, while being also aspirational. And so we try to balance those two ends of that yeah. polarity in our planning. And it, it's paid off really well this time. We're excited to be where we are. We've gone from a clinic that had five treatment rooms and very limited space for the team to a beautiful clinic that was already fit out. It had been a previous sleep apnea center, so we didn't need to do any building, any renovations. We've literally just walked in and put our, our desks and our toys down and gone, hey, we're here. <laughs> so, right. Uh, yeah, it's been really excellent. In that process, because the documents that you had pulled together in that analysis were comprehensive and you'd really thought about a lot of different things. So those listening in or, or watching, what were some of the more notable things about that preparation that you did mm -hmm. for this clinic move? What are some of the things that you did to be able to balance, as you said, being ambitious and having some growth goals, but also managing the sustainability of it, which is a bit more of a maybe a reality check of how things are going at the moment. That's a good question. What did we do? Well, we had some elaborate spreadsheets, as you said, which James, my husband, helped us design. And what we wanted to do was to be very operational in our approach. So we had a sense of what we wanted. We knew what the team had wanted. We'd had lots of conversations. Shifting the clinic had been a goal for us for maybe four years it had been our BHAG that was written down, that big, hairy, audacious goal, we want a different clinic. And we'd been working towards that even through COVID. It was still that front of mind kind of put on pause for a bit, but that's what we were heading towards. And so as the lease end date was starting to come closer, we went, okay, how are we going to bring this to life? What does it look like to go, if this is our vision, how do we make it operational? And what we looked at were essentially like what are all the variables we need to think about what how many treatment rooms do we want what facilities are we after a lot of it comes down to what's the budget behind that so how many therapists are we looking for we had to do a little bit of research around what does rent cost at the moment you know in yeah. places that wasn't out of them. So for contrast, the previous premises we were in was around 30,000 a year. And we were looking at three to four times that. And so we need to make sure that we had the budget, the recruitment strategy, that what we wanted to bring to life was actually viable because 
we essentially didn't want to put it against our house or to put it against our own livelihoods. So balancing that with that risk-averse approach of like, we want to make sure that we're not, for James and I, we're not putting ourselves at risk personally in order to grow the business because that's not meaningful for us. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, how can we still achieve that growth? with that and breaking it down into quite extensive detail was the way. And then we looked at, okay, if we need these facilities and we want it to feel and look like this, what are the, we we backward chain probably three or four kind of worst case scenario options that would give us the confidence to be able to step in and help us make that decision. And Ben, you were part of that process as well. How do we make this decision? And for us, we felt like we needed to know what the backup plans were and if we need to step into those back, backup plans, how viable are they? What does it look like? Mm. You know, to be able to have clarity on where to move, for us, we needed to map out those different possible scenarios and it's worked out. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful change. Obviously, a lot of thought and time in the planning and preparation and also yeah. part of the vision that you had, as you said, for many years yeah. prior. Part of the scenario that played out, as you said, was Asta was born first child amongst all these things that were moving parts in considering a move, negotiating moves. How was that experience for the both of you, having us to come along when there were so many things happening? And what has that meant for you starting a family and running a business at the same time? Look, having us to come along, well, it's been delightful for a start. At the same time as moving a clinic, there's been ups and downs to it in the sense of, you know, I was on maternity leave. I'd intended to take time away from the operations of the business anyway. So in that sense, there was a bit more freer space and less kind of need to be on the ground in the business because that's not what I'd planned to do. So I was out looking at locations and talking with lease negotiators and doing these different things. There was space to do that, which was good. One of the things that surprised me the most and has been part of my own personal growth to accept is they call it baby brain, right? which is a real understatement to the actual experience. (laughs) The challenges with holding on to information, retaining information, memory, self-organization have been really significant for me. And so, you know, throughout pregnancy and also into still keeps going, it's been really interesting. That made it challenging. Got a newborn. Yes, there's all of the complexities that come with learning everything for the first time and that's a lot already. And then on top of that, as a personal experience, it's like, well, I can't remember anything people say if I don't write it down. I forget to look at my books, like I'm losing sentences. It's It's been a really interesting. Yeah, wow. So it's definitely given me a new insight in supporting team members throughout okay. their pregnancy and also into, into parenthood. And it's maybe something that we, people don't talk about as much. I've certainly supported team members who have said to me, oh, yeah, a bit of baby brain. And I've never really understood that, but it's like a daily occurrence for me. And in chatting with some of the other mothers on the team, they're like, oh, yeah, don't worry, it doesn't come back. (laughs) (laughs) So that's probably been something that throughout it has been most alive for me because everything else, the newborn part, it's like, okay, I know that's all unfamiliar. And so I'm not expecting myself to be great at any of the newborn things. 
because I haven't done that before. First child. Ah. Okay, that's fine. And the business side of things, it's like, well, that's operational. We've done that before. It's strategic. That's a skill set that I'm comfortable with that I can step into and do. But the self-organization and memory and communication, these are skills that I'm like, well, I thought I had that under control to a degree and now that's changed. And so it was sort of this third piece in amongst it all that has been... Yeah, probably something that I've worked the most on throughout that time. Yeah, interesting. I don't think I've heard you talk about that being one of the challenges in making the transition. During that time, were you able to have time off? Did you plan to have complete time off when Asta came along? Because mm. often people are working in business, about to start a family, or maybe they're having subsequent kids. And there's always that daily hustle or grind of the business and the requirements mm. of the team or the clients and partners, et cetera. Sometimes I don't feel like they could take a break or should take mm. a break or are just wondering how to navigate balancing family and business, knowing yeah. that it's never quite a balance. So, yeah, how did you go about it? What was sort of the time off that you had? Were you able to switch off? Give us an insight into those first few weeks and months. So I'd intended to take three months off, completely off the business, and then see what happened from there. I wasn't going to lock myself into any any particular processes, but five weeks after Asta was born, the manager that was in place quit, which changed the plans. So, <laughs> you know, I think as business owners, we have a choice to respond, don't we, to situations. And I could have remained on that leave and just been like, that's great, we'll make do, and when I'm back, We'll sort it out. But I chose to step back in and to recruit, train, do induction with a new practice manager. And, and then at that time, we were also shifting clinic locations. So, yeah, we made the choice to step back in. And it's been fluid with James and I both working in the business. So I think we're getting better at just managing the complexity of the schedule and who's where and what do we need and the logistics around feeding and organizing yourself around a child. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I mean, that three months looking back is such a quick three months. And we, we're at the six month mark now. It's feeling more capable and possible <laughs> in general. And thinking back, Ben, you said to me, oh, you know, you might actually find it easier to work on the business in those early days when the babies are more sleepy and they don't do as much. And, you know, Aston now at six months is sitting and he's on the verge of crawling. I see what you mean now. <laughs> they're, a lot, they're a lot busier. But then looking back in those early stages, the hormones are wild, the tiredness and the sleep is yeah. full on. There's just so much going on yeah. physiologically in that time that, yeah, I don't know that I could have done anything different. It's a wonderful experience. It's a challenging experience and it's wonderful to have a, a supportive team and also partner mm. as well in terms of James is in the business. Yeah. Can you give us a bit of an insight? Because some folks who are listening in are considering, <laughs> do I have my other half oh, yeah. join in to the business? How do I go about yeah. doing that? Yeah. I'm not sure if I want to work with them or not. Because yeah. James had a different career prior to joining yeah. the clinic. Yeah. Give us an insight into his evolution and what it's been like working with him. Yeah, absolutely. So you're right, he didn't start off working with Kui. He worked for Tatsbet and he worked in fire safety, sort of a few other operational type roles. And we talk about desire statements or horizon statements, but James's dream was to be a house husband and work, work from home, I think with or without kids. 
So we were looking at ways like how can we achieve what we're both wanting to do and contribute to the world in the way that we want to. And for James, that's what was lighting him up was that potential. And for him, just prior to COVID, actually, he was working at a company and he approached them in a performance review and said, look, I really want to work from home. Even just two days a week would be great just to avoid the travel, the commute, whatnot. He felt that he could easily do his role responsibilities at home. They said no. And about a month later, it was mandated that everybody work from home. (laughs) (laughs) Interestingly, but he chose to leave that company. And at the same time, we felt with Kui, there was scope for him to support us. James has sort of dabbled in and out of Kui. Throughout the years, he's often supported me with spreadsheets and profit and loss and that kind of a thing. But we had him step in as our accounts manager and it's been excellent. And I think when you're looking at working with your partner, there's definitely things to consider in terms of what do you both want? What's like, does it fit for you? What's your attitude and aspiration towards work? What are you looking for? And then you've got the communication element around what will it change for you culturally in your home, in the way that you interact with each other? Do you want to set boundaries or do you want it to be really fluid? For James and I, we're pretty fluid with how and when we talk about things, but then both of us at certain times will just go, no, it's not today. We're not talking about work today. you know. And so I think how you communicate what you actually want to do and whether there's scope for that in the business is really important. Lots of variables to consider. There's definitely no right or wrong with it. And I think there's also potentially times that it works and times that it doesn't. So I think for even within our own business, our role changes over time. And I think we can think about roles within organizations within the same way. So we've kind of got to do roles first and then people step in to take up roles that are inspiring for them for pieces of time. So, you know, when I think about James in the business, obviously we want to create a role that's meaningful for him that allows him to do what he wants to do. And it's also okay if at any point he went, actually, that's not what I want anymore. You know what I mean? So we're not coming in with assumptions that people are locked into certain ways of doing things or, or certain roles either. So- And you've done a great job at documenting those things and creating structure as well so that it's not just rock up and do as you please. There's some really (laughs) core skill sets that are used and deployed against the strategy that you have and the vision that you've got and a structure that's in place that extends into, as you said, a leadership team at the clinic. How did you know you were ready for a leadership team and what does that look like and mean for Kui? So when I think about leadership, definitely my concept of this has changed over time and it's evolved as it should, as we grow, right? You know, how did it come about? We reached the end of our resources to support in the way that we want to or to create the change that we want to. And so the vision of the business reaches a size where we run out of resources to execute that vision. And that's where we need support as leaders. Because for me, at the moment, the current definition around leadership or leading is around that it's an action. It's an action that we take that's around creating difference and crafting vision and then bringing it to life in that sense. So it's around looking at where is our edge, where's our development, what are we pushing into, and then creating that change. And then within the context organizationally, we also need to stabilize. So we need to both engage those actions of leading and managing. So innovating and systemizing and balance the polarity of those two things as well. So 
I see it much more as a an action and a role. And then when we look at the leadership team, it's like, well, these are roles within the organization which require leading. So at Kui, it's it's not hierarchical. People step into roles that are inspiring to them and that will allow them the growth to develop the skill set or the kind of outcomes or the things that they want to bring to life within that role. So each of the team members are responsible for leading something, right? So from client care team members to the practice manager to the therapist to any AHAs that come in or clinical leads or accounts manager, everyone within the role is leading something. So for the therapist, they're leading themselves in their role, right? We can support them, but it's their role to step into their own self-leadership and create change and difference for themselves and for their clients. So we see that leadership or leading is something that it's an action that each role in the organization requires because if there is a role that doesn't require any innovation at all, it's probably something that maybe a VA is doing or a system can automate because it's just repeating the same thing over and over. So in most roles that are people orientated, there's going to be an element of leading, creating some difference, creating some change. That's the way that we want to think about it. And so therefore, leading is relevant to everybody on the team. Our leadership coaching is relevant for everyone on the team because we're all leading something. Great point about everyone is a leader because it's an action. It's the way you show up. It's the way you conduct yourself. I love that distinction. You spoke to there around that at Kiwi, it's really not hierarchical. How do you go about decision-making and autonomy in roles where as business owners, it's can be very hard for us to give up some of that control and we want to make sure we're across everything or mm. are able to contribute to things that letting go can be quite tricky, especially mm. early on. How do you go about doing that from the perspective of decision-making and people being able to run with things as they see them versus yeah. seeking perhaps approval in different areas and maybe yeah. there is still that process? Can you speak to decision-making in that yeah. structure? Yeah. When I think decision-making, again, it comes back to roles and the structure of roles. And so when we've designed the roles at Kui, it's around the sections or the areas that that role is responsible for. We are intending to move towards a holacracy model, which I know, Ben, you've explored a lot. But in essence, what that's looking at is rather than having a vertical ladder of structures or a completely flat structure of there is no hierarchy, everybody's democratic, we're actually moving into a multi-level kind of like a cellular organism. Each little part of the organization is responsible for something. So it has autonomy and capacity and a skill set to execute on its defined responsibilities. And while it needs autonomy and independence in what it can do, it also needs to communicate with the rest of the organization. And so there is independence and interdependence. So we need that leadership and autonomy in and clarity from the strategic level of the organization to go, this is the area in the organization that this role is relevant for and has capacity and autonomy over. And this is how we communicate in and out with each other in relation to that. So it's kind of balancing autonomy and collaboration, but it not being about approval or power or control, but autonomy and also collaboration in that sense. That's very conceptual and and abstract, I know. And there's a a fair bit of nuance in the implementation of how you do that. In terms of getting your team on board 
and engaged with the way that you're doing it today. Mm. What's that process been like? Because I know folks who are listening or watching in might be like, my team would never go for that. Certainly not an overnight change, but what's been your journey and evolution to operating the way you do today? Yeah, I think the thing we've needed to focus on the most, and this area of business and the way that we're approaching it is intentional. It's a conscious intention that we're bringing in. So what that means is we're trying to shift towards that actively. This is our growth, right? You know, we're not killing it. It's not done. It's not stabilized. This is where we're leading ourselves towards. And the thing that's made the biggest difference or the area we've needed to focus on the most has been the clarity in communication and the clarity in roles as well. So I lean very much on the like organic innovation end of things. And so what it's really looked like for us is when there's been a role that's new, someone steps in and we just try it out. We don't know what it's looking like yet. So we're just going to jump in and have a go. But then as that role gets explored, this new emerging role within the organization, we then need to structure it and refine it and review it does what we've structured still fit what's happening within that role? And as an example of that with our clinical lead roles, I think we're into our third year now of reviewing how does this role fit and sync? What are they responsible for? What can they do autonomously? Where do they need to seek stakeholder input and collaboration and defining that out? And and that's an exploration process. I think anytime we're trying something differently, it's going to be an exploration. And so we've, as a team as well, had to get really comfortable with that. And it's not necessarily easy for every personality type to be comfortable with that, right? Some people really like the linear structure and clear guidelines, like this step and this step and this step. And that's not really how this kind of innovation works. So I love it. I find it a lot of fun because I enjoy that innovation and growth process. And obviously, for the team members that are here at Kui, they also find it fun to some degree as well. It's not to say that it's a right way. It's just one way. And I see that work and the contribution that we do at Kui is a really beautiful way to make a difference, obviously, for our clients and to support our community. And also, it's a context of growth for us. So that's, I think, where the fun comes as we get to challenge our own edges and see where are our preferences, where is our growth still yet to come within that professional context? It's always evolving. And I love seeing how you are willing to test those things and explore the boundaries, maybe break through some of the molds, because that's really where innovation comes from, as mentioned. What does your role look like then today? And no doubt it's changed. We all kind of start out in the therapist role and yeah. progress as business owners. But what does your role look like today? At the moment, it's primarily around recruitment, induction, team training, and team development. So my headspace most of the time is in recruitment, marketing land at the moment, as well as there's the strategic decision-making principles and designing the strategy of the business and making those kind of strategic and operational decisions. The team training element also includes the personal and professional development that we do here at Kui. So we run fortnightly team development sessions, which are whole team training in the areas of personal and professional development rather than, say, a clinical CPD. And then also providing one-on-one coaching development or coaching for the team as well to help them progress towards their goals and, and find their growth and bring intention to the way that they're working and the way that they're evolving while they're with us at Kui. So they're the primary areas of attention at the moment. 
something that you've been really good at and worked a lot at is in your own capacity as a coach, as a mentor to your team to help them grow and develop. As we do that with team members, there are some that absolutely love it and thrive and really just go to the next level straight away. There's often those ones, as you said, that maybe have a different style or preference to how things are. Maybe they're a little bit harder to progress than others. What are some things that you found useful as a coach, as a mentor, as someone that's leading people to progress in their career and in their life, especially around those folks that maybe are a little bit harder to move along? The first thing I think of is why is it harder? What is it that's making it harder in that sense? And who is it hard for? Is it hard for the individual or is it hard for the person that's mentoring or coaching that individual? What's making it hard? And this is something that I've been aware of and I'm intending to continue to bring into my attention, but is what are my expectations that I'm bringing into a coaching session or a mentoring session or even just a chat with someone or the way that I'm designing a role? What am I expecting about somebody else's growth? For me personally, I'm aware that obviously growth, innovation, and a certain element of speed about that <laughs> is a bias that I hold. It's something that I value. And so whenever we value something, we hold on to it because it's valuable, right? It biases us. We think it's important. We think it's more important than other things. So because we're holding on to it, we have that attachment to it. It creates a preference like blinkers that get put on. And it can get in the way when someone else, as you say, doesn't have that same preference. One of the key premises in integral theory, which is one of the frameworks that the coaching training that I bring in, is that every perspective is true and partial. So from my perspective, coming into, say, a coaching session, and I might bring in my own expectations, what I think, what I believe about growth and development and career development, and maybe have a degree of awareness around what I think should happen, you know, like all of those expectations that we hold. And the degree to which we can become aware of how is that getting in the way of this conversation? Because if we're bringing in, and we all do it, like all of our own internal dialogue, expectations, thoughts, fears, anxieties, hopes, dreams, whatever, imaginations that we're bringing into these coaching conversations or mentoring conversations, the more subjectivity from our end that we're bringing in, the less we're actually present with that person, right? And maybe this is true for lots of business owners, I'm not sure, but we tend to be jump in, get things done, like let's get things moving. Entrepreneurial types have a certain set of personality traits that are often present to some degree. But are we projecting our expectation of growth on others? Or are we able to be really present with the team members that we're with and go, well, where are they at right now? How are we putting our own preferences aside and meeting them with what's valuable and meaningful and starting where they're at, in a sense? versus coming in with a predefined plan for their growth. you know. And I think that's important to remember. I think we do it with clients. Mm-hmm. You know, We come in and we go, yeah, I need to develop rapport. Yes. That's a really standard thing in working as a clinician. But then for some reason when we're approaching team members and approaching, say, growth or mentoring, we may not have that same perspective. We come and go, no, this is what you need right now. Yeah, somewhere in the soup of all of that. <laughs> I think this is why I have found so much value in my own growth personal growth and therefore the way that I show up professionally, the way that I'm able to show up in leading others or in leading the business has changed so much because of the growth that I've done and not because I'm excellent at it, but simply because this is where that professional context we're in offers us the opportunity to grow and evolve. And that's true for us as leaders. It's true for our team as well. 
great point about your own capabilities to be able to grow and develop and then help others do the same. Can you share what's your experience been like being coached, having mentoring and having support over the years that you've had that support to enable you to grow and develop? I think surrounding yourself with a network of, as you say, coaches and mentors and community that can provide that support is, look, it's a lever that you can choose to access to engage your growth if you want to accelerate it. It's not a right or a wrong way. (laughs) There was a long time in business where I didn't do that. And that was necessary at that point of time. So, you know, I've been part of the clinic mastery community for five years, six years. And the business coaching, the mentoring, the community support in this community is exceptional, you know, and it's part of the reason why so many people love it. I've also accessed personal developmental coaching for a number of years. And that also is an accelerator. Any type of coaching or mentoring where you're stepping into a relationship with some kind of intention to do something differently, it's going to create change. Yes. That's the whole point, isn't it? So there are incredibly powerful tools to engage in. We often find that by the fact that you're in business, it's likely that you're reasonably ambitious. So you have goals and you have a good work ethic and you make things happen, as you said. Mm. And that it's more than likely that you're going to make those goals and ambitions come to life in some time. But with the support of people around you, like you said, you can kind of accelerate the development of that Mm. or make it more nuanced or sustainable. It's likely you get there on your own, but to be Mm. able to have that additional support just maybe allows you to do it better or quicker or both. So it's a really great distinction. Amongst all that development that you've had and then the development you've helped your team have, you've come up with, and for those that are watching the video, the Kui Collaborative. Then tell us, what is the Kui Collaborative and how has that come about and what is it looking to do? So the Kui Collaborative, it's an initiative that we've started here at Kui, and it's to do things like this, have conversations. Obviously, I have a bias towards growth and personal evolution, and that's pretty clear, right? But I also believe that it's really important and necessary for us as health professionals. You know, we're seeing a lot of reasons in our industry where we might want to be supporting team members differently, right? Stress and overwhelm and some of the retention difficulties that we're having, they're all symptoms of the fact that I can speak in speech pathology in particular. There's been a bit of a narrative around like, oh, keep work and life really balanced. Don't let the scary work impact your life. And there's been this kind of real black and white approach to protect yourself against work. You know, and I I would like to have a different conversation. I believe that in the intersection of that personal and professional, those two elements of our lives, we can thrive more in our roles, right? But that requires addressing some of the stuff that we're bringing into our professional roles. Most of the time, what's getting in the way of us feeling at ease and having less stress in our working roles, whatever they are, is a symptom of something that's happening on the inside for that person, the way that they're thinking about something, a particular habit or trait of behavior, putting things off to the last minute, procrastination, motivating ourselves, self-organization. All of these external things are professional skill sets that we can intentionally develop if we want to. And they require us to take a look at what's going on inside. What's the mindset? What's the attitude? What's the intention that we're bringing in? And I think that this conversation is really important in the health sector because 
we don't want to just go, oh, well, burnout exists. Try and avoid it. Good luck. (laughs) We hope you're okay. Because it doesn't have to be that way. There are internal resources that we can develop. And I think shifting the conversation more towards growth and capacity and, hey, this can be different is a really positive and empowering thing to do. And so the Kui Collaborative is intentional about let's have this conversation. Let's do it in lots of ways. Let's support the person and the professional that is within our roles, not just the clinicians and the outcomes that the clinicians are achieving clinically. So it's kind of a bit more of a holistic approach to individual and team training. That's its intention. What does it look like? It's new. So we're still exploring. We've done some community webinars. We have an Instagram page that we're offering out with some resources and support. I like to try lots of different things. I'm also just starting a LinkedIn group, which is coming. So we have our community webinars and we'll also be doing some workshops. The community webinars are just complimentary conversations to inspire and provide some frameworks and resources, bite-sized things that people can take away and do something differently with. Our workshops will be more in depth. And yeah, we've got a few other things in the pipeline, but our community-based offerings, we also do one-on-one. I offer one-on-one developmental coaching through the Kui Collaborative, and we also offer clinical supervision as well for speech and OT and peds through the Collaborative as well. So we're looking to have a holistic sort of suite of things that are addressing personal, professional, clinical, multidis professional practice in that sense. It's a wonderful initiative. And amongst all the things that you're juggling and working on, is there something that you come back to every day or every week that helps you show up as the best version of yourself to be effective in your leadership, to be effective as a business owner? Do you find that there are certain mantras or rituals or habits that you find really important to you being the most impactful version of yourself? That's a good question. And and the answer that comes up is a long one. (laughs) But I think it's not one thing. And this is the point with integral theory is that we have a framework that we can look through to see where's the current lever that I can pull or the thing that I can change that's going to make a difference for me in this context. Because we need to be able to respond contextually. The way that what we're approaching in this moment is going to be different to next week. It's going to be different to the week after and it's different to what has been as well. So there's no one thing that's like, if you do this every day or if you have this ritual or this habit, it's going to be the thing because it might be for a time. There'll be some truth in that. It might help you improve your mindset or improve your physical health or organize yourself in a way that's better or develop a particular skill. Great. And that might not be relevant next week because the context will have changed. Yeah. So for me, the one thing is having a system and a rhythm and a framework to look through so that I can hopefully more and more often respond contextually rather than respond out of habit. That for me is is the quadrants in integral theory, which is a whole world. And if anyone wants to chat to me about it, I'd happily jump on a call and talk about it, but it might be a little bit long for this segment. <laughs> But that's probably the one thing is like, okay, as we look at this situation now, what can I change? Where do I really need to be changing and leading myself differently? And that's different every day. Wonderful answer to have a a framework, a method to be able to use that is contextual, as you said, to no matter the situation. Well, we've covered some ground. Thank you so much for the insights from team and culture and leadership, family, training, growth and development 
it's truly wonderful to see the growth that you've had personally and the clinic and then by extension, the team and the community that you serve. It's truly impactful work. So thank you for sharing so generously and openly about Kui and all the wonderful things you're doing. Thanks, Ben. Well, we will wrap up this episode and all the show notes will be on clinkmastery.com. If you're listening to this, you can also check it out on YouTube. Come over and say good day and see our smiling faces. We'll see you on another episode very soon. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to the Grow Your Clinic podcast. To find out more about past episodes or how we can help you, head to www.clinicmastery.com forward slash podcast. And please remember to rate and review us on your podcast player of choice. See you on the next episode. Thank you.